Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you're in HR and a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. How would this impact business? ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything. ADP, always designing for people. A warning, this episode contains explicit language. The Hulu miniseries Welcome to Chippendales takes us back to the 80s and the rise of the Bane's male review Chippendales. Kumail Johnny stars as the original club's founder, whose obsession with money and fame ultimately led to murder. It also features a supporting cast of always game-familiar faces, including Mary Bartlett and Juliette Lewis. I'm Ayesha Harris, and today we're talking about Welcome to Chippendales on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Squarespace. Kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI, generating instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. No matter the placement, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Use code HAPPYHOUR to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Joining me today is New York Times food reporter and author of the best-selling cookbook, Indianish, Priya Krishna. Welcome back, Priya. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk about the show. Yes, me too. I'm sure we will have lots of thoughts to talk about. <laughs> in Welcome to Chippendales, Kumail Nanjiani plays Soman Steve Banerjee, an Indian immigrant who, in 1979, establishes the first Chippendales bar, a nightclub catering to women and featuring male exotic dancers. Murray Bartlett plays Nick Denoya, the Emmy-winning producer and choreographer whose creative vision makes the show a hit. Nick also becomes Steve's business partner, and over the years, they frequently clash over creative ideas as well as who deserves the most credit for the show's success. The relationship ultimately sours as the Chippendales brand expands on a global scale, and Nick is murdered by a hitman hired by Steve. The cast also features Annalie Ashford as Irene, the club's accountant and Steve's eventual wife, Juliette Lewis as Denise, a costume designer and Nick's confidant, and Robin De Jesus as Ray, Steve's devoted acolyte and accomplice in Nick's murder. Robert Siegel created Welcome to Chippendales and is co-showrunner alongside Jenny Connor, and it's streaming on Hulu. So Priya, what did you make of Welcome to Chippendales? I know you and I have both seen all eight episodes, and by the time this episode is released, there will only be four, but we kind of have a big picture of the overall story that it's trying to tell. So what was your takeaway? I thought the show was super watchable. I will say I was so excited about Kumail in this particular role. I love South Asians getting to be these like complex villain title characters. That was really exciting for me. I will say that I think that the plot moved at kind of a breakneck speed and that that speed for me came at the expense of some basic character and plot development. Mm. There weren't explanations for why characters did the things they did. They just happen. And I realized that they're largely tracking with the history. But, you know, all we know as to why Irene and Steve fall in love is that she is helping his club save money and they're attracted to each other. But it like suddenly jumps ahead and they're married. Like, And there are just so many of these moments where you're like, wait, what? How did that happen? Why? And I think like the show does such a good job just unpacking all that Steve is and all of those motivations. Mm, yeah. It's not a zero sum trade off with other character development, with other plot development. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had that sense as well, where there 
especially in the very first episode, we're introduced to these two sort of notorious in history figures, Paul Snyder, who's a nightclub promoter, and Dorothy Stratton, who was a playboy playmate and an actress. And they kind of swoop in and they are there when Steve has first created his original club, which was initially a backgammon club at first, before it became a male review club. And I don't know how many viewers will actually be aware of that history. I, When I saw the Dorothy Stratton character come on screen, I was like, I know this name and it sounds familiar. And then I like Wikipedia and I was, oh, yes, she was. Yeah, same. Uh, she was murdered by Paul Snyder, who was her boyfriend because he was, you know, a jealous. It was a murder suicide. And um, she was only, I think, 19 or 20 years old. So this was kind of a notorious e-true Hollywood story kind of thing. But they are introduced in that first episode and then it ends with their murder-suicide. And then we never really hear about them again for the rest of the show. (laughs) And it's just, it's kind of shocking. I can imagine if you don't know that that's coming and then the way the show never returns to it, even thematically, it doesn't really wrestle with that. It, It made me feel as though, why were they there? I know they were actually part of the history, but like you said, Priya, it just kind of happens and then not really expounded upon again. It's very sudden. And I think that that's kind of a characteristic flaw throughout the entire series. At least for me, that was the case. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, I mean, I will say one thing that the show does really well is that like they're not trying to lean into immigrant tropes i feel like this show is very aware of all the immigrant tropes that exist Mm -hmm. and they were like we don't want to do that we want to tell like a juicy sexy interesting dark story you know when you watch those shows and you can like almost see into the writer's room and see into the room where you're like they're making these decisions and you're like oh you were so focused on this that i think you forgot about this Mm. Yeah. I felt that so many times watching this show. Right, right. Even though it doesn't lean into the tropes, it definitely leans into this idea of Steve. He like idolizes Hugh Hefner. That's a big recurring part of the his characterization. So does this mean you know Mr. Hefner? Oh, yeah. He's a really wonderful yeah, guy. Yeah, he's, he's the greatest guy, sweetest guy. I can't believe I'm talking to people who know Hugh Hefner. <laughs> You must understand he's my hero. He's my role model. Seriously? In fact, he is the inspiration for this place. And I do think it really does lean into his being an Indian immigrant as sort of the the driving force of that in a way. And the idea of the American dream and how it can be warped and twisted in a way. To speak of another character who gets more time than the Dorothy Stratton and Paul Snyder characters, but also kind of disappears for the back half of the show is Otis, who is played by Quentin Player. And he is the sole Black dancer for the opening of Chippendales. They have a lot of tension because Steve has sort of internalized this idea that Black people don't sell as a market to women. And also that's going to change the nature of his show and attract the quote unquote wrong type of audience. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to study and to look at, but then Quentin also kind of just falls at the wayside as well. He was one of my favorite characters. And when he exits the show, never to return again, I was like, like, I love that the show looks at anti-blackness among the South Asian community. It's like, I'm so glad that it like very much does not shy away from Steve's just very blatant racism. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like that character of Otis could have done so many things in the show. And it's like, suddenly he just quits and that's it. Yeah. 
So we're in this moment now where we have all of these sort of ripped from the headlines shows and movies coming out. I'm thinking of something like The Dropout earlier, Pam and Tommy, which was also created by Robert Siegel, who also did this show. Mm -hmm. In the grand scheme of all of these things, how are you feeling right now? Like, what's your temperature when it comes to getting these sorts of stories? And are you tired of them? Or do you feel that there's more to be said? Because it does feel like we're getting a lot of them. (laughs) In general, I really like these stories that are rooted in history. I'm totally the person who has like the Wikipedia article out reading while I'm watching the television show. But the inherent problem with these types of shows is that you are presenting history as it is, as it happened. And oftentimes, the history as it happened leaves you a television viewer sort of wanting like it's almost not enough to just be like there was some character of Otis that person quit and we never heard from them again but it just ends up feeling very jarring as a viewer and I actually think that's one thing that the dropout did really well was sort of that story has been covered by books podcasts like every medium possible and I actually felt like that show did a incredibly good job presenting a narrative where it felt like this is something we hadn't seen before, where like, this is actively additive beyond all of the other media that has been created around Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. And again, I think like, gosh, like the Chippendale story literally has like, it's like, as for me as a reporter, it like checks all the boxes of like, holy, this is such a compelling, complex, fascinating story with an amazing character at the center of it. But like, stuff gets lost. And that's that's a really hard thing. There are a lot more challenges unique to TV. And this show met some of those and maybe fell short in other ways. Yeah, you hit on something interesting, because I, I think that the challenge with dramatizing these stories, as opposed to telling them either, you know, in a I, I mentioned E! True Hollywood Story. That's kind of my reference point, even though I, I'm an old millennial. So I feel like that was where I got a lot of these ripped from the headline. And there was an actual Chippendale's E! True Hollywood Story episode uh, almost 20 years ago. But I think the challenge is, is that when it comes to dramatizing these things, the creators also have to inject some sort of commentary in some way that might not always feel as natural as it would be when you're getting it directly from a journalist or having that sort of narrator guide you. And so then what you get is this issue, I think, with Chippendales and also other iterations of this. I think, like you said, the dropout does a really good job about avoiding those pitfalls. But I think here, even though there's a lot that's left out, there's also a lot that's just so on the nose in trying to explain yes, exactly the issues. So there's scenes where Steve is just like, I love famous people. And, <laughs> this yeah. is, and this is all I just want to be in proximity, close proximity to famous people. And I think in some ways, Kumail and Johnny kind of he puts it out there to make Steve kind of awkward. And I think that's it's a really interesting characterization because He's awkward and he's he's making all his money off of this venture, but he also feels clearly uncomfortable about it in a way mm-hmm. because of just he's selling sex and he doesn't seem quite comfortable in his body. And I think that's interesting. But then you get those moments where it just feels as though it's really, really hammering home what the creators want you to understand about this character. And it just doesn't always read as authentic. If there's one thing I have to say about the show, it's the performers are all 
totally game. Yes. Juliette Lewis, anytime she's in something, I'm very happy to see her. I think, you know, um, Mary Bartlett is doing some amazing things here. But there's just some moments, um, even when the Irene character, suddenly at one point she becomes very excited in being complicit with some of his less above the line dealings with the business and it just kind of happens at a moment that feels so abrupt yeah Yeah. she goes from like we're good people to all of a sudden actually i'm down to do all of these things with you to to a point yeah yes and it's like i feel like that was the point of the show where i was just like wait what happened and how (laughs) like how did we get to this point And also to your point about how the show is just too on the nose. Yeah, there are certain scenes that there's a scene. This is not a spoiler later where Steve does like a TV interview Mm. and he bombs it. But he bombs it. It's such a like it's almost like a like a comic book character with the sweat rolling down his face. And it's just and they, you know, they contrast that with like Nick's TV persona. And I'm just like, okay, I get it. I get what you're trying to say. You don't have to hit me over the head with it. Yeah, yeah. That being said, though, I do think you called it watchable earlier, and I I do agree that I was able to sort of cycle through them, and the episodes are pretty short. I feel like it's the type of show that if you are already predisposed to this type of dramatization, you'll find something to enjoy. Like, again, Kumail, he's very good at this. He's very good. And it's fun to see him playing a very different character from any character I've seen him play. And I hope that he's able to play even more characters and maybe some of them will be the quote unquote villains and some of them might be not so much, but it's nice to see him sort of getting a chance to chew into this type of role. Yeah. I mean, this is like a really, this is a very, very difficult role. And I felt like he really brought, he brought the range where the dialogue did not bring it for him, you know? Yes. He was doing an amazing job. Uh, I got to say, I found like all the the interactions when he goes back to India with him and his mom. I feel like those those scenes were also kind of a missed opportunity. Mm. It was like all of a sudden his mom is like some people aren't meant to be successful. And you're like, oh, well, what does that what does that mean? But then it returns to that. But like we don't we don't really understand. We don't really know his mom. We don't know why she said that. We don't know what they're much about their relationship. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so many of those moments where it's just like, I just really wanted more out of this, out of this scene out of this relationship. But like they had, they had a lot to cram in into eight episodes uh, in their defense. (laughs) (laughs) They had something like 20 ish years worth of happenings to to chronicle here and and lots of characters and lots of needle drops. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And like, again, this is like the kind of story where like there is no shortage of drama. So I'm sure the writers were just like, there's so much fascinating stuff in this history. How do we pick and choose? And I wish they had like lingered on some moments, some characters, some plot points. Yeah. I do wonder if they had focused more on fewer things and made it into a movie like I, Tanya or something along those lines. Maybe it might have worked a little bit better, but you know. Yeah. And and this was supposed to be a movie, like couldn't sell it as a movie. So it became a television show. But I totally saw the like movie DNA. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing I will say is like a counterpoint to everything I'm saying is that I was I, I watched this with my husband and I was like telling him, yeah, I was like missing out on this, like on these plot moments. I wish it had more of like a perspective. And he was like, okay, well, like, what would you specifically change about it? And I'm like, I can't put my finger on exactly what I would change about it. But I just know that I wanted more in certain moments. Yes. <laughs> you know, again, I think if you're looking for like, it's a Sunday, you want to just like, 
watch a really great short series that you can just breeze right through, this is like imminently watchable. Absolutely. I, th- I think that's our, our tagline. Imminently <laughs> watchable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we want to know what you think about Welcome to Chippendales. You can find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Kriya Krishna, thank you for being here. It was fun to suss this all out with you. Thank you. And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This episode was produced by Romel Wood and edited by Jessica Reedy. And Hello Come In provides our theme music. I'm Aisha Harris. We'll see you all tomorrow when we'll be talking about The Whale. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Lisa, in collaboration with West Elm. Discover the new natural hybrid mattress, expertly crafted from natural latex and certified safe foams, designed with your health and the planet in mind. Visit leesa.com to learn more. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. On It's Been a Minute, we're keeping you in the know when it comes to culture. I break down the latest trends and the forces behind them and introduce you to the creatives who think deeply about how we live today. Come for some good old cultural analysis and have a few laughs with me. Listen to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR.